0: Now, say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncy. We are here in Portland, Oregon at the Momentum Studios. Right now, I'm by my lonesome, but I will not be for long. We actually got two guests coming on the podcast today. Part of the reason is timing, and the other part of the reason is just because I've been away for the last couple weeks. I missed y'all. I hope y'all missed me. I'm glad to be back spitting this fat flavor in your ear, and, uh... Obviously, we got a lot to get to. A whole lot has happened in those couple of weeks that I've been gone. And uh, again, we'll get to some of that here today. But before we introduce the first guest that we have coming on the podcast, I do want to give a few win shares um, this weekend. Obviously, is Halloween weekend. So first and foremost, y'all be safe. Stay out of trouble. Have a little fun, but stay out of trouble. And uh, if you want a place to have a little fun at, I got the vibes for you. I will be DJing at the Porter Hotel both Friday and Saturday night. So you'll all get this here on a Friday morning. So tonight from 9 p.m. to midnight, I will be at the Porter Hotel spending the vibes. And then Saturday night is the official rooftop Halloween party at the Porter Hotel. So I'll actually be there Saturday for the party, dress up, costume up. Do your thing. You probably can wear your costume Friday if you feel like coming Friday, too. But um, Saturday is the official party, and that'll be from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. So usually it's 9 p.m. to midnight at the Porter, as you all know and have heard me announce it time and again. But um, for the special occasion, they they decided to uh, extend the hours a little bit. So I'll be there both nights. As I mentioned, y'all come out, y'all have a good time. But even if you aren't where I will be, I do suggest that you stay safe. And have a good time. It's a good weekend to have some fun, celebrate, do something a little different, wear a costume you might have never wore before. Some of y'all might be too cool to wear a costume. That's okay, too. Just go out and vibe out anyhow. Um, As far as football is concerned, I've got one last football game to call for Pacific University. They will be playing against Whitworth at home on November 5th. That's a Saturday. And then from there... We jump right into basketball season. So I'll introduce some of the basketball games during the shares next season and how that schedule pans out. I'm excited for college hoops. It's going to be a good year. I got a real good feeling about the teams that I call games for, obviously Pacific University men's and women's and Portland State University men's. I feel like all of them are going to have a year, sort of a breakout year, for the men's programs that I cover. Now, when it comes to Pacific University women's, I'm calling them the favorite to win the Northwest Conference this year. I think this is a legitimate championship hunt for them. They obviously made it to the postseason last year, made it to the conference title game during the conference tournament, lost in it, but still had a great year nonetheless. And I think this is a year that they take another step in the right direction and ultimately become the top team in the Northwest Conference. Up next... I got Kaya San joining us. Kaya San is the executive director at Street Roots, where you all know that I work. But there's a lot going on politically. Obviously, we have election season. But even more so, um, there's been some things proposed by Commissioner Dan Ryan and Mayor Ted Wheeler in regards to housing and homelessness. And Kaya San is going to join us here to break it all down a little bit. Plus, there was an interesting little tidbit that took place yesterday yesterday at the Portland City Council session. And uh, I wanted to dive in and explain that a little bit as well. So again, up next, we got Kaya San, the executive director from Street Roots. On the line, we have Street Roots executive director, Kaya San. Kaya, I feel bad a little bit, Kaya, because I feel like this shouldn't be your first time on the Wake Up and Win podcast, but it is. So glad to have you. So thankful that you're willing to join.
1: I'm so happy to be here, Devon, and no need to feel bad because as long as you're representing, that's all we need.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, for those that don't know, obviously, Kaya and I work together at Street Roots. She's the executive director, I'm the vendor program director. So, Um, We work side by side on a lot of different fronts, especially in regards to housing and homelessness. And obviously, most of you come to this podcast to hear the latest and greatest, by the way, sports take. But... Today we're not here for that. Um, it, there's more important things that I feel need to be discussed. And on this very platform, we are going to discuss just that. We'll get into some sports stuff later on. I got I got some folks coming on. We'll talk about this whole Adidas and Kanye front and so on and so <laughs> forth. But, but for right now, um, Kaya, first I want you to just talk about and discuss the latest plan from Mayor Ted Wheeler and Commissioner Dan Ryan, City Commissioner Dan Ryan, In regards to uh, their response to homelessness, but more in particular, some of the dangers that come from it. But also, if there's any good that you saw from the response, you can talk about that as well. But I know in particular, this camping ban has ruffled a lot of feathers in the community. And I want you to just kind of explain what the proposal was and why is it that this camping ban is such a dangerous approach to be taken by the mayor and City Commissioner Ryan.
1: Sure. Thanks so much, Devon. Um, So on Friday morning, last Friday morning, the mayor held a press conference, of which Street Roots was not invited. And interesting to admit uh, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, it, was, it was a very, very strange um, oversight. And they announced or he announced five proposals uh, to address housing and homelessness. I'll say that they're, you know, they're they're pretty rough. I mean, there's there's one document with for the budget that's not even filled in. So definitely just flung some stuff out there that said there's there's some good ambition there so i think i always want to applaud that like you know i i like it when people dream i like people to have ambition around solutions so um even though there's not the money there or necessarily all the pathways forward there's ambition to build you know get twenty thousand more affordable housing units in the area and to do more diversion programs which i support which is about you know expunging people's criminal records or it's about uh just trying to make sure that they don't end up in the system in the first place that's excellent to have in there again not fleshed out but still some aspirations and then they've got this part that's also about low barrier jobs and devon that's what you and i do yeah. so much here at street route so all that pretty good you know i i, I definitely could get behind I think there's I, I've been describing it as the kind of poison pill that slipped in there. And that's a piece that's about creating these mass campgrounds and uh, and then creating a camping ban in our city. And what's first of all, I think one of the things that I'm most shook about is that they just don't engage the people for whom this policy is targeted. right? Um, so, you know, there's no, where it's supposed to be, your, you know, there's constituents, you elect your officials, they get their your input. There's almost a concerted effort to not get input from people experiencing homelessness. And I feel like they're just flinging these ideas against the wall. There's numerous reasons why they're not really set up to work. And there's a whole legal history of, you know, mayors trying to create a camping ban, even though then it gets challenged legally. So it to me, it's just a lot of political grandstanding mm-hmm. that, you know, harms people at the same time.
0: A- absolutely. Now, now you mentioned the lack of engagement with the community, obviously. And we do a lot of work over at Street Roots. So I want to kind of talk about everything that took place yesterday at this Portland City Council session. Um, so last week they announced that there's going to be this council session at Street Roots, you obviously leading the way, get a bunch of Street Roots vendors, many who are unhoused and impoverished to sign up to speak at the city council session, which, by the way, is something that all community members are like always encouraged to do politically whenever there's an action step for community members. So Street Roots vendors go ahead and they decide, hey, let's. Sign up, because obviously, as you mentioned, this is going to impact many of them, many of their neighbors, so on and so forth. So you actually spoke yesterday at the city council and you a lot of the things you just alluded to. You were able to speak to to that of the city council members, the four city commissioners and obviously Mayor Ted Wheeler. But there was an interesting tidbit where because Street Roots vendors were the first to sign up, usually they go in order. Of folks signing up in regards to who testifies. You got to speak initially and in the beginning of the testimonial part of the session because you were invited by City Commissioner Hardesty to do so. But many of our vendors had to wait hours and hours and hours, although they were amongst some of the earlier people to sign up. And I want you to just kind of go through what happened yesterday during this city council session and how it kind of proves the point that you make in regards to the lack of engagement coming from city council to that of community members and the intentionality of that
1: yeah devon and i want to make sure your listeners know how much that you worked on this and the fact that you're it's your staff that you're leading that set up a pretty amazing afternoon and evening putting a sheet on the wall projecting the hearing setting up computers that people could testify at you know we i mean we i, I think of it as kind of must see tv a city council hearing at yeah. Street
0: Root. <laughs> for yeah for sure we really definitely we really build it up yes <laughs>
1: Um, but yeah, so we, so with that in mind, you know, it might seem just kind of like this protocol stuff, but when I was invited to speak by commissioner Hardesty, she announced it as such, people knew that she asked me to speak. So it wasn't like I was pretending that I was, you know, a, a concerned citizen with no connection, right? So what happened after that was what was so interesting, because then the session began to have um, people speak who supposedly had just signed up through the website. And our vendors were waiting because a lot of them have to, you know, figure out where to camp for the night or to yep. get back to a shelter. There's I mean, curfews. Just starts to, yeah. 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 When it gets dusk, you know, that's a time when people really need it's kind of like when you see the birds that just, you know, they find their spot in the trees like people need to find a place to sleep. Right. So we're all getting a little antsy. And we're like, well, when are people going to actually get to speak? An hour goes by. Another hour goes by. And we're looking at the list. And, and some folks in our room said, well, wait a second. Suddenly there's 15 names that are inserted between number 10 and number 11. Mm. So we just, you know, we screenshot it. We sent it out there. Other media paid attention. The OPB news director, she retweeted. She's like, what's going on here? How are these names just inserted? Um And I think it's really important just to point out that all of these people that were inserted were acting as though this was the best idea. They were representing some of the most powerful people in our city. The director of the the Portland Business Alliance, very, very powerful person, um, was in there. Actually, they're registered as a lobbyist, but they were just acting like a concerned citizen, real estate people. So that's what was happening when actually most of the people that signed up – we're against this. Yes. But, you know, if you just like the media reporting, you're like, whoa, this is really, really popular. But because our folks were like, wait a second, something suspicious. We tweeted it out. And then Commissioner Hardesty, who uh, the whole evening, you know, addressed Street vendors knowing they were watching. She said she she stopped the hearing. She said, what's going on? Who are, who are these 15 people? And. um. It was, there was silence. And the, yeah. the county clerk said, Well, it's one of the commissioners, and no one fessed up. But what I love as media, and, you know, Devon, you as a media worker, yes. is that it was the media steps up. So we actually had several reporters, Alex Zelensky at the Mercury, Nicole Hayden at the Oregonian, just started researching. And then it's kind of a drama because the mayor's comms person actually then said that it was Dan Ryan who had stacked the deck. Mm. Now, I know this is a lot of insider baseball, but but what's significant about that is Dan Ryan is supposed to be running the bureau that helps people who are experiencing homelessness yeah. and get housing. And what he had done is stacked the deck essentially against those people.
0: Yes. And that's and that's so interesting again when when as I mentioned it was so intentional. And the fact that yeah. he Dan Ryan A was the one who proposed this plan along with Mayor Ted Wheeler. And right. I'm I'm I'ma get the clip. I went and found the timestamp for the clip and I'm gonna post it on oh. like my social media because you could just see how awkward. Things got because Commissioner Hardesty basically comes out and says yeah I just received a text message that there's like some stacking of the deck going on here are any of you aware of that the only person to speak out and say that he wasn't aware of that was Mayor Ted Wheeler and he then said let's talk to the clerk and then the camera pans over to the clerk (laughs) and the clerk is so caught off guard and it was almost as if like She didn't want to tell on Dan Ryan, but obviously Commissioner Hardesty insisted to know. And you've got to be honest (laughs) in that position. And eventually the clerk did fess up and admit there was a city commissioner that requested (laughs) that. We That we load the deck and we stack the deck essentially of, again, as you mentioned, these lobbyists, these realtors, these business owners that supported what it was that his plan was. So it just it feels so wrong. And honestly, it's concerning, you know, not just for people, obviously, that are experiencing housing uh, uh, houselessness, but also, you know, I think of people that that are just underprivileged in all realms of community and how we're always told that, hey, man, we're not going to the city council meetings enough and we're not utilizing our voices politically in the ways that we should be. But then to hear that this kind of stuff is happening behind the scenes from those in power at the sessions who are supposed to be listening to community members, it's it's concerning, first and foremost, for those who who have less of a voice. And then it also is just discouraging. It's outright discouraging for people to feel like, well, why would I want to go to a city council session when it's going to be performative anyway? And they're going to stack the Absolutely. deck and, do, and set things up the way that they see fit rather than how the community sees fit. And, and, and it's just real discouraging to see that take place.
1: Absolutely. I think about it like it's like they buy first class plane tickets to City Hall. Yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. Definitely. Definitely. So. So with that, like, can we speak about next steps? (laughs) I know there's more inside baseball that took place that obviously I'm aware of, but I I don't know where we are now as far as next steps. But there is next steps that are taking place. I think I can say that much at least.
1: No, we can can talk a little bit about it. Let's Um, talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, Devon, you've got listeners all over the nation, so (laughs) I I, I hope we're able to give the drama, right? This is total Portland, Oregon drama. It is.
0: It (laughs) absolutely is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is what we do in the Northwest and and watching the city council hearing and catching our breath. Um, Yeah, so, you know, we've been pushing and by we i just mean lots and lots of organizers and groups and folks that are just connected to people on the streets just saying you know you make policy that changes people's lives you have to talk to people yes and um and commissioner hardesty who we've mentioned is just really exemplary of this like that's what she does she's a community organizer she does extended outreach with people. But with this, the mayor and and again, the commissioner in charge of home issues around homelessness and housing, Dan Ryan, didn't do that. They essentially said that the people that they send out to sweep camps, talk to people. And that was enough. So we called, we called them out and we said, you need to meet with people rallied lots and lots of co-sponsors. And actually they, they've agreed. So next week, not quite revealing time and place yet, but we uh, we do have them down to come and to talk directly, or hopefully I should say to listen directly yeah, for to sure. people on the streets. And we have secured the host, co host of wake up and win. Uh oh. <laughs>
0: That's
1: right. We've secured Javon Pouncey. Um, and it sounds like uh, we have a, a co facilitator who's willing to be like the enforcer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, because it's going to take several people so that the electives don't just lather on and run down the clock.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So you all heard it there. I'll be uh, co-facilitating a community conversation with mayor Ted Wheeler and commissioner Dan Ryan. Uh, the time is and location is to be determined. Kaya, I want to ask you this. Is there a reason for that? Or can we speak to that reason?
1: Yeah. I mean, I will say that there's a lot of passion and anger and emotion going on mm-hmm. and um we're aware of the fact that people on the streets are already dealing with violence yes um, they've had way more than their fair share of that and having to witness things and and experience it themselves and so we want to be really thoughtful about how we plan out so that they actually have the front seats and we're planning out, you know, just how to keep a calm environment around them so that yeah. others don't come and try to make trouble.
0: appreciate it. Kaya, thank you so much for joining me. We'll definitely have you back here on wake, and, wake Up and Win. This will not be the last time.
1: Thanks, Devon. Yeah, it's super fun talking about this. So I love working with you on it.
0: Absolutely. Talk to you soon. So huge appreciation for Kaya San joining us here earlier. But as I told you all, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been on the podcast. So I decided that we're gonna kind of make this a double whammy of an episode. We'll have two guests today rather than just one. I, I I felt bad. I'll be honest with you. I've been away. I needed to get away, especially with what's on the horizon. Basketball season is coming. The absolute busiest time of the year for me. So. I'm glad I got to get out of town, rest up a little bit and kind of, you know, refuel. But uh, I'm back. I'm back here for you all weekly. So now joining me, I have Demi Lawrence, who is a sports business reporter for the Portland Business Journal. And Demi, first off, I appreciate you because I reached out to you. I gave you a virtual option. You said, no, I'm coming to the studio. (laughs) And here we are. (laughs) Thanks for joining.
2: Of course, it's an honor. And I know, like, I'm very in person anyways. I like to meet people. That's just how I am. And so glad this was the option. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. First, just tell a little bit bit about yourself. Obviously, you haven't been in Portland even for a year yet. Mm -mm, And so... Um, for those here from Portland, obviously we got a lot of sports listeners here in the market. Just kind of tell a little bit about yourself and obviously work got you to Portland, but kind of your journey's path to be in a position you are today.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I'm originally from Indiana, actually. Um, so originally from there, went to school there. went to Ball State University. Uh, chirp chirp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So I graduated from there, went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for about a year, was doing some local government reporting there. Um, and moved up here, like you said, not even a year ago, like January of 2022, that's the year we're in.
0: Yeah, it <laughs> um,
2: is. And yeah. Not for
0: long, though. <laughs> time <laughs> the
2: flying, huh? stop going, man. I'm <laughs> sick of it. I'm so tired. But so yeah, born and raised in Indiana. Um, been about uh, 10 months since I moved here. And I love it. It's beautiful. I'm a coffee person. So Portland is perfect for me.
0: Absolutely. And Interestingly enough, I don't drink coffee. I whispered it because I know the okay. folks that are listening are going to like chew me out about it. You'll be it.
2: forgiven. It's okay. I appreciate
0: that. I appreciate that. <laughs> thanks, thanks, for, yeah. thanks for the insurance. On yeah. That. And
2: so it's, it's, it's kind of the fun thing I when I like describe my like, I guess, movement is like I came from the beach. And yeah. And when you grow up in the Midwest, like your vacation spots the beach. That's where you go. Right. And so like going to Florida all the time and stuff. So I like lived on the beach in South Carolina and I was like, oh, this is nice. And never really like Seen like real mountains right because in the Midwest mm-hmm. it's flat
0: yeah and so
2: I moved here and like the first time I saw Mount Hood I was like yeah. that's a mountain
0: okay yeah I want to <laughs> ask you this how did you see Mount Hood because um, obviously you can you can visit, yeah. but there's like plenty of locations here in the city where you can like look out and see Mount Hood.
2: Yeah. So actually, on the way here is like similar to the way I saw it. I was like on that like I five loop bridge around the city. Okay. Like that's the first time I saw it. I was like, oh my god. Like yeah. I didn't realize it was that big. Like you could see it. For sure. And then of course, since then I've gone on like hikes around there, and it's been it's it's just shocking to me that I ever thought I was like a beach person because that's mm. all I knew. Right. 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 And then I moved here, and I'm like. I don't like, this is, this is it. Like, so it's just been such a blessing to be able to be in a place that has so much beauty, so much vast beauty that I never grew up around. And yeah. so I'm discovering it for the first time, but also like in, you know, in a really good market for the work that I'm doing, right? Like sports business, like you said, I also cover the footwear and apparel industry here in Portland. So Everything is ripe for just new perspectives, new stories, new outlooks. And that's usually how I try to approach my work is, okay, who hasn't been talked to yet? What stories haven't been told yet? And how can I make this better?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So obviously being that you you cover the footwear and apparel industry, in sports in particular, this market is like prime for that. The headquarters, yeah. uh, the headquarters of Nike is here. The headquarters of Adidas is here. You've got Under Armour here. What are all of the businesses that are sort of under your beat at Portland Business Journal?
2: So (laughs) I told my coworker this earlier. I kind of, the like, Businesses, the big public companies I cover, I call them the Holy Trinity: Nike, Adidas, Columbia.
0: Okay, because they're all
2: headquartered here. Now, Under Armour is over in Baltimore; that's where their headquarters is. Yeah, they
0: got some Under Armour something over here. They do here. Yeah, Yeah, they
2: got it here. But we, like, as like a American City Business Journal, have like somebody in Baltimore who covers that. it. I work really closely with him. Perfect, makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So, got the Holy Trinity. Right. (laughs) I told my coworker that today, and he died. Yeah, I I need to. I
0: need to get my uh, my my Columbia employee pass, my ES pass, so I can sure. get me some jackets. It's getting cold around it's, here again. For
2: sure, man. <laughs> so uh do that, and then I just recently actually started the sports business beat, which is like crazy. I think I started it maybe like six to eight weeks ago. Mm, okay. Considering everything that's happened within Portland sports for in sure. the last, you know, that time, it's been kind of crazy. But so I cover the business side of Blazers, Thorns, and Timbers.
0: Got it. Got it. So I want to start, let's just get straight to it. Kanye West. Oh, Christ. Yay, Yeezy, <laughs> whatever you want to refer to him as. Um, obviously, you know, and, and we here on this podcast just to you heard you've heard, listened to it a little bit, but we've been following Kanye West since the MAGA days on this mm-hmm. podcast. Quite frankly, um, I've been very critical of Kanye West since those days. Still am very critical of Kanye West today although obviously I'm a huge fan of his music. I mean, I DJ as well. I've talked about that on here too. Like the only thing I haven't canceled about Kanye West is some of his records that I might still spin at a rooftop bar or wherever it is that I decide to DJ. But beyond that, like I, I, I I think he's in a really bad place mentally. And I'm not, I, I, again, I've been very critical of him here in the past. So you can be critical of him all you want to, but especially if you need to use it for like context, whatever the place may be, get comfortable. Feel free to speak your mind. But, but as far as I'm concerned, the interest that I have now is that we are seeing him lose all of these business deals. Yeah. The main one that that's being talked about and heralded the most, obviously, is the Adidas deal, which, again, is a part of that Holy Trinity that you alluded to. And a lot of people... Obviously, you have folks that are critical of Kanye. You have businesses and individuals that are detaching themselves from whatever ties it is that they had to Kanye West. But then you have a particular group of people out there that feels as if this is Kanye freeing himself from these business partnerships. And there's no implications or ramifications by him doing so. I want to hear from you, at least with Adidas in particular, what are some of the actual ramifications towards Kanye West and towards the Yeezy brand at large by him no longer having this deal with that company?
2: For sure. I think like the main biggest thing is like access to capital, mm. right? Like an access to like folks who quite simply know more than him about business. Mm. Like straight up. Like mad respect for all he's done for Yeezy, not going to discount that despite all of the absolutely horrific things he has said over the past few years. Yeah. That is not, you know, those... Anyways, but, like, people who simply just know more than him are at Adidas. People who are going to be able to help him access that capital. They also still own the IP and designs um, mm. for Yeezys that are already designed. So they can continue, they being Adidas, to produce those in new colorways, et cetera, Because they own those designs. Right. I, um, Kanye owns the Yeezy name and so that's where it kind of gets complicated for so sure. like he owns the Yeezy name so Adidas can use it as designs but they can't use like the quote Yeezy branding
0: Interesting. and so I'm
2: really interested to see like how Adidas if they want to continue to produce Yeezys in that co- like in different colorways for example like how they're going to do that but as far as ramifications go like <sighs> It's difficult for both sides because you're going to have some who say, oh, well, I'm still going to buy Kanye's stuff. The people who are like Kanye's freeing himself from these things are still going to buy his stuff. But, like, he's burned a lot of bridges. And so, like... I would be very surprised, say, he goes out on his own with what little money he still has left. He is off the Forbes billionaire list. He's in all of these legal battles, including not even related to Adidas, the lawsuit that's happening with George Floyd's family. Yes. They got all of that. So he's got this money that's not really going to maybe be his money someday, and it's mm-hmm. not even that much as what he used to have. So building a company from the ground, even when you have the clout. Of Kanye West, yay. Like, even when you have all of that. And like you said, like started out as a musician, like that makes me sad also a side note, because like he you can't deny the impact he's had on music of this generation. Like for sure. I remember being on like my high school bus when Life of Pablo dropped. Yeah. And like it was revolutionary like core memory in my brain it's, sure. it's really sad
0: I'm just, a college dropout guy myself yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So it's but just, that, yeah that's that's the one for me but we all have that Kanye album that yeah. we can connect with in, in that way
2: it's just it, and it's just sad to kind of see the fall you know from that glory but anyways um so you know you could argue that he has the knowledge to go out on his own right and you you could say that. And I think he totally has a lot of knowledge on how this business works because he's done it. He's been a part of it. For sure. With both companies, with Nike and Adidas over the years. Yes. He was previously with Nike. Yes. Um, But when you don't have the capital and when you don't have the knowledge and when you've already done the damage, not only to your brand, but yourself, like he has, like good luck, my dude. Like yeah. best of luck to you because you're going to need it.
0: And, and that's the part that kind of – you know, we we always hear about, like, the importance of relationships, especially mm. from, like, very successful people, um, but just from people in general and, like, how much you need relationships. And so to for people to say that he's freeing himself from the the corporations, obviously, Adidas being the main one, but we've seen athletes leave down to sports. We've seen his school shut down. We've seen all of these things, and we've seen the relationships that he had in place essentially deplete. Now there's reports that he's going out and seeking other relationships. Mm -hmm. That Skechers is one that's been reported on and they turned him down. Like, what do you think the impact is relationships wise for the Yeezy brand? Not just, again, for him personally being the owner of the Yeezy brand, but like distribution wise. Like I think of all the other things that maybe Adidas played a role in for Yeezy. You already spoke to the designs and what they would be able to do with all of those designs. How do you think the damaging of those relationships are going to ultimately affect that particular brand now that it is no longer connected to an Adidas and you really aren't seeing interest, at least from this point, from anybody else that wants to partner with them?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good question to, like, focus on the relationship aspect because you quite simply, no matter who you are, cannot do everything on your own. You're going to need people to help you. Yeah. And if you burn those bridges because of your own damn ego, like, again, good luck. And so that's where it really comes into, like I said, like, when celebrities partner with brands like this in these deals, it's very – well – I don't know about very purposeful now, because there's all the talks about there's too many collaborations. But back in the day, like the original inception of the idea was very intentional. Mm. And I think that back when he partnered with Adidas in 2015, it was very intentional on both parts. You know, you can say what you want about Kanye as a business partner. Um, it does happen to a lot of people where designers or people who own brands aren't happy with how their brand is being facilitated. Right. Very fair assessment to have for sure we saw it maybe he claimed that with nike whether or not that happened who's to say but if he's claiming that wasn't happy with it go to adidas nike's rival adidas like we'll give you what you want and like that's really attractive to both parties because you have the world's biggest rapper arguably at that point influencer icon in everything ever you know, could be there to boost your brand. And I saw this really interesting um, graphic and thread from uh, Chris Burns on Twitter. I Mm -hmm. love him. He is, like, sneaker analyst, been in the business forever. He's in Memphis. And he kind of laid out, like, Adidas's growth from, like, 2013 to, like, now. And, like, you can see in 2015, yeah, there was growth because of Yeezy and the brand and stuff, but, like, not so much growth to where you could only be, like, oh, they only grew because of Kanye. Right. Right? So, like... I think, and then I talked to a couple of people, a lot of people agree that the brand will survive. A lot of people agree. Yeah.
0: I want Yeah. Go for it. A lot of people
2: agree. And honestly, so do I, whether or not it's what's supposed to happen or what's morally right. I think the brand will survive just because of its overall brand strength in general, aside from Kanye Mm -hmm. and brand growth. Um, granted a lot of people agree that it took way too long to respond, me included. I was sitting like, I think it was, like, last weekend on, like, Saturday, and I was, like, looking at everything that's happened with Kanye, and I was, like, where's my Adidas guy? Like, where's my email? Like, yeah, 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 where, yeah, yeah, where's my PR? Like, I'm waiting on it. So, ultimately, I think the damage to the brand is significant and should not be overlooked, especially given, like, the level of statements that were made by Kanye and them being yeah. attached to that and saying nothing. Like, It's very important to say, and I know you've said it before, but I want to reiterate it. Like what Kanye West said is incredibly damaging, not right, and needs to be said that that's not right. Yeah. Like we can't just sit here and let it go by like people say. You can't enable it. it. No, you can't enable it. And by not saying anything, you do enable that. And so that's exactly, I think, what people thought of Adidas doing. And so- you know, great on them for parting ways with him, even though it's kind of it's it's risky for them.
0: And that's what I wanted to ask. And and we can kind of take it into more of a grand thing beyond just Kanye West. But like in the work that you do, obviously, in the research you do, you can connect it to Kanye or if you have other examples, you can speak to that as well. These celebrity endorsement deals, you kind of said some folks says there's too, there's too many of them. Some folks feel like they had a purpose initially. They don't have as much of a purpose now. For companies like Adidas, like Nike, Columbia, how significant have these endorsement, these celebrity endorsement deals in particular, become to these companies and corporations to continue to thrive?
2: Well, the first one I think of when you mention that is Billie Eilish and Nike. Mm. Like, she... First of all, it's amazing. I love her. Second of all, like, is just so big in pop and is truly a trendsetter for current pop and future pop. And so she did kind of that collaboration with Nike, and she has such a vast fan base that yeah. made that stuff sold out in, like, minutes. Right. So I think you, you know, it's a merging of two already giant things, the fan base for Nike, and the, or for example, for this, or the fan base for Billy. Right. And so when you bring these things together, obviously it is going to be, impactful but obviously the product still has to be good too but Absolutely. you know based on their names and so i just think that you know they still own the branding which if you're in the shoes for the designs only great keep buying them from adidas you're still they're still probably gonna have to pay royalties to kanye like i think i yeah. saw a number around like 10 right so like if you're concerned about giving money to him You're still going to be doing that, but there's no really way to avoid that. But, like, they're not going to have the branding on it anymore. And so it's kind of just this weird thing of, like, you know, these – the divorces of these partnerships and how they play out and how they affect people. It's something that, you know, before I came onto this beat, I never thought of. Right. But now that I've thought about it more and reported on it, it is – very ingrained in culture i guess and i guess i'm kind of rambling at this point because it's hard to like put a pin in it for sure
0: for sure yeah i i am curious though like when you see a breakup like this and i for the reasons for kanye and taking it back to kanye scaling it back into kanye west in particular like should adidas still continue to sell the shoes, and this is more so you can give me your personal opinion on it. No, I appreciate it. And you can obviously connect that with with the research and the work that you've done as well. But, like, what message is Adidas sending? Because although they do own these designs and so on and so forth, what do you do with it?
2: That's the thing. Is like, it's kind of similar to the idea of separating the art from the artist Mm. and, like, perfect example what you said about Kanye, you know, might your DJ might still spin some tracks. Right. Like what where do we and we as like a collective society draw that line? And so I don't People can obviously do what they want with their lives For and sure. their and their finances, but I think it's an interesting point to consider within yourself if you want to do that. You know, am I okay with this support? Do I really like? If you like the design of the shoe, then like buy it by all right. means. Like, For sure. If, you, this ultimately or dentist. the
0: feeling of the shoe because the they tend to be comfortable. I so I've, I've heard. I've hair. never worn a pair. Either. Pat, you wore a pair of Yeezys. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, I that. that's so showing. But
2: like, I think it's you know. Um, Ultimately, Adidas did drop him. Like, they did the, quote, right thing, no matter how long it took. I mean, I think in five years, we're going to look back and just remember that they dropped him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I think other people are going to be like, oh, you know, Balenciaga dropped him for stuff like that. But, like, they dropped him. Yeah, for sure. So you could still say when you're telling history, oh, Adidas did the, quote, right thing. And so it just, I guess— and I'm interested like, just to see what Adidas—because they pulled him off the shelves. Yeah. So, like, what are you going to do?
0: But I'm interested—the <laughs> uh, part that I'm interested that you spoke of is kind of the conversation of separating the art from the artist. hmm and, and obviously because he connected his name to his artistry in the way that he has— Yeah. And you're you're even seeing it in the music business in particular, where you have, you know, in in California, you have a lot of rappers advocating for not being able to have their lyrics used against them in court. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's happening in the music business as well, in particular. And that, to me, is where I guess maybe if Adidas did decide to continue selling the product that they already own from Yeezy, like... I know it may not align with the messaging or the statement that they ultimately put out, but but, like, but at what point do we morally get involved in the artistry? In this case, the artist artistry is is fashion, not music.
2: Yeah. But and it's still art. Yeah. It's still art.
0: You know what I'm saying? At what point do we kinda create that moral separation of the two and what's okay to do in that separation?
2: I mean, a corporation's gonna get their bag. Yeah. <laughs> like that's for sure. my thing. Like when you look at like I wrote these numbers down because it's profound. Talk like, to me. So for in twenty twenty two, net annual sales for Yeezy, like under Adidas, was one point seven billion. Mm. Crazy amount. Yeah. When you compare it to Adidas's as an entire corporate ink, their annual sales for twenty twenty two, um, or twenty yeah, I think twenty that same year were like nineteen point seven billion, mm. and so you know those seem close but also far. But if you do the money, that means Yeezy accounted for nine percent of their sales that year. Yeah, and so we already saw Adidas said when they announced the cutting of the relationship, it was going to cost them up front um, two hundred fifty million. So that's already a significant amount, especially at a time when brands all across footwear and apparel are struggling with massive inventories, yeah. macroeconomic, geopolitical issues, and what's expected to be a very slow holiday season. Mm. So there's a lot going on here when you look at the grander uh, picture of the entire Inflation
0: industry. got something to do with that?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a shit show right now everywhere. For sure. It's wonderful. Yes. Uh, but so, you know, you could argue that... Will they make the same amount of those sales if they keep continuing to sell the shoes without the Yeezy branding or name? We don't really know it. Yeah, this Yeah, for sure. And I think it's difficult because I think people who maybe weren't even diehard fans of Kanye still bought the Yeezys because they became their old cultural phenomena, right? Like yes. aside from him, it was still part of him, right. right? But I feel like they they made such a wedge in the culture as their own thing. To a point where I think some people in their own, you know, personal lives are able to separate it and want to do that. But other people who are diehard Kanye fans who are reeling from this, and I think that's important to note, is like people who are big Kanye fans who are now having to separate themselves from him. Like that's really difficult. Yeah, I've had to do that with an artist in my life who I really, really love to end up being a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, I had yeah, to separate yeah, yeah. myself. For so sure, that's a really difficult process to already go through. Absolutely. And so, it might be harder for them to validate whether or not they would want to continue to buy this very nostalgic thing from this company that holds a lot of value to them personally. Like if you keep selling like, you know, all of the old like easy products in different
0: colors, like if you make it retro, like Jordan did with for real. his catalog of sneakers, like, but Jordan is still connected. He's got a whole brand yeah. under the Nike. It's,
2: it's such a nuanced, umbrella. It's such a nuanced thing. And it's something that I think everyone should think about because it's not just gonna impact like this scenario. Like I think this idea of separating two things and like understanding where you personally fit into things is can go beyond just this it can go into everything it could go even into what we're going to talk about later the thorns you could even put it into that yeah and so i just think that as far as the ramifications and the pain goes for both sides west obviously has dug himself his own grave he gonna have to deal with that he ain't a billionaire no more he ain't got no money um he has something not much (laughs) um i'm sitting over here like i've got more than him
0: I get what you're saying. Though. I catch your drift. Yeah, I catch that. your drift. And so, when you have Adidas,
2: who like has their name on this, and also like you, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter say this. They're a German company, and with all the anti-Semitic stuff he was saying, like that feeds into a lot of scarier stuff. And so that's why I said, if you let it happen, you're enabling it. Yeah. Because like there is such deeper historical context here, and when you mess with that. There's no good co- outcome for that, and Absolutely. so I think for them there's going to be pain on both sides. But like I said, I think Adidas will recover better than than Kanye has. I'm calling him West because that's how what I was doing my reporting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he'll so <still>, <laughs> formal, West. You're right, Mr. Uh, West. Mr. Huh? Mr. West. No, it's Kanye. <laughs> Mr.
0: West is in the building. No, don't, don't let him <laughs> me to, to start rapping <laughs> lyrics. Throwing balls. <laughs>
2: And so I think I think he I'm interested to see how the next few years go for him, because I know he's not going to let up like he is going to fight tooth and nail. He's going to make his own Yeezy brand. He's going to try to sell how much he does sell is really up to each every individual buyer to think about where they fit into that grander picture. And there's no right or wrong. Yeah, it's just
0: your own moral compass and how you decide to do that. Absolutely. Well, you brought up the thorns. So I want to segue into that interesting times for the thorns, obviously, with the drama. Um, coming from the Yates report, which I'll let you give a little bit of background on that. Um, you've had, you know, GM step down. You've had owners that have stepped down. Um, not not sold the team.
1: Mm-mm.
0: I want to make that clear. There's a difference. Yeah. But that step down from their duties. Um, obviously, a lot of it regarding misconduct, sexual misconduct with these players. Again, I'll let you kind of speak more to... The Yates Report, I know you've done a lot of work and coverage with that. Um, But at the same time, the Storms team is on their way to the NWSL finals right now.
2: It's such a... So like I said before we started I live right by Providence Park and so I right. go to games all the time I love
0: the thought I went to my first one a month ago hey amazing. now and say hey now.
2: gotta start man yeah, it's amazing for sure for um, sure and you know I was a female athlete my entire life I played softball for 12 years mm-hmm. that was a very very big part of my life and so on a personal note when I when the Yates report came out and I was kind of dealing with it like personally aside from like work because I was like I love this team right I was sitting here thinking like I was at a point in my life where I was thinking about, okay, am I going to play softball in college? Like, what does my career look like? Yeah. And I never got to that point because I got hurt and I was five four. I wouldn't come compete with those, like, six-foot softball <laughs> players. So, But I, I sat here thinking, and I'm like, it takes a lot of grit and gut and trust in the process for a player to go from not being paid to being paid and making that their job because you're essentially handing in your passion for a paycheck.
0: Yeah, and for sure. And it
2: takes – so I, I was sitting there thinking about that, and I'm like, I couldn't do that. Like, that's a lot of pressure to make the thing you love more than anything in the world into something that you rely on for income. Yeah. And so these young women were already dealing with that. um And in the Yates report that came out, um you said it in the last pod, it's like 300 pages. Yeah. I haven't even gotten through all yes, of it. Yeah, it's bonkers. It is insane. But yes. some of the highlights are... A lot of stuff that we already knew. It just kind of corroborated it. Right. Um, Paul Riley abused his power. Um, was sexually inappropriate to several players. When the players complained, uh, they said they did an internal investigation and like found no misconduct. Um, then Paul Riley was basically he was fired for cause, but publicly it was made to look like his contract was just up. Um yeah. So he was allowed to go on and continue to coach in yeah, North Carolina for sure. Which. Um, I can't remember which of the three men it was golub Wilkinson or Paulson, but one of those men, if not more than one, like vouched for Paul Riley to get that job in North Carolina.
0: Was it Wilkinson? I think man? it might've I been Wilkinson. It, I think it and might've think been Gavin, Gull- Gavin Wilkinson. Yeah. And then I
2: think Golub was the one who said basically, Oh, these women got in the way. Like I'd hire him in a heartbeat. Like yeah. I would rehire him in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah. 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 And yeah.
2: like to say that, like, players standing up for themselves when they've already like been in such an uncomfortable position where somebody in power is taking advantage of them to be like, oh well it's their fault is like (laughs) it's not funny, but it makes me laugh almost because I'm like, are you for
0: real? Yeah. Like like, are we talking
2: in the same world right now? And so all of this came out. Obviously we knew what happened. Um last development really is that they're going to dc they won the game against san diego such a phenomenal game i didn't go but i watched the highlights those girls played their heart out those women played their heart out and you could like see it you could feel it right and like you even had like bixby the goalie tweet out before the game like please support us like we need this and that struck such a chord with me and i am so proud and happy for Oregonians and Portlanders and fans of the club that came out and supported them to watch that just beauty happen of them beating San Diego. And even if we go to these championships, even if we don't get a dub, like the adversity that these women have endured endured is something to be noted and something to mourn in some way, but something to honor and something to celebrate. And so I think – In the larger picture, when you look and see that, you know, Paulson hasn't yet sold the team, whether or not you agree that he should do that or not, we did a poll of our readers. 80% of Portland Business Journal readers said that he should sell the team, which is a lot. And we have a lot of people vote in those polls. We don't usually have a lot of people vote. Like, I think my editors were like, these were a lot of votes. Right. So a lot of people spoke up and think he should sell the team. Yeah. Because... When I've talked to people, like, he's still going to have influence as the owner. For sure. Even in picking the CEO. And I asked people, I was like, even if they pick the most incredible new team that really does the work they should do, like, what are your thoughts? And they're like, he's still behind the scenes. Like, I'm not comfortable. Yeah. And as somebody who has researched and listened to stories of folks who are survivors of those kinds of things... I I agree. Yeah, like, when so you still I, yeah. have that like force hanging over, like that's still a burden you hold on your chest. For sure. Even if you are not those women who unfortunately had to endure that, you are their teammates. You are their allies. Like that's sickening to you as a player. Absolutely. And so I saw that Merit isn't going to the um, DC game. I think that's the right choice. Um, so it's just a very sad situation. But I have so. I cannot explain the amount of respect and love I have for these young women who have endured all of this, who have played their heart out, left it all in the field for the simple, pure love of the sport. Yeah. And that just is so
0: inspiring to me. Absolutely, absolutely. And I and I think again it's interesting. We we've already kind of we kinda got this through line of like the art from the artist, or you know, in this case, like the product, which is obviously those players in that team and what it is that they do. I'm not saying as as humans that they're a product, but I'm speaking to yeah. the business aspect of the Portland Thorns. Oh, because it's a
2: transaction. Absolutely. A business. The
0: business, exactly. Yeah. It's transactional. So it's like you have these players that are humans that become and, and create what is ultimately the product of the Portland Thorns. And so being able to separate when you have such a significant amount of people that – are merit, sell the team. But then you have these players, again, that are humans and that are athletes that are in a situation where it's like, but we still need your support yeah. because we still, A, we survive off of this. <laughs> you know, this True. is how we make our yeah. living, With the which is something you alluded to. And B, don't leave us now. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're already, as you mentioned, like, some of it you can celebrate, some of it you can mourn, but... We're already in such a vulnerable spot to lose the support of the people as well because of the mistakes that the higher ups made and not the mistakes that we made as players who are just coming out here trying to do our job, playing our heart out and giving our heart and our talents to this city in the way that we are like we can't have the city leave us now in this particular moment and I think again that through line has just kind of been interesting
2: yeah I wrote a story about that and it's honestly one of my favorite stories I've written since being here about that nuance that exists yeah talk about it 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 was something that I had been racking my mind about as a fan myself like not even as a journalist I was like what am I going to do? Like, what, like, do I feel comfortable doing this? And I was like, there has to be other people that are thinking about this. And so I ended up talking to actually a professor at, um, UP, his name is Dr. Ian Parkman and he does sports marketing. Okay. And we kind of talked about when situations like this happen, where there's a controversy that happens, like how do fans react? Um, and he said that the Thorns are uh, different than most situations. So he said when things like this happen, it's usually the diehard fans who don't change their mind. It's usually the more casual fans who are like, eh, maybe I won't go. But with the Thorns, because it's women's sports, which already do not get as much support as uh, men's sports, uh, because it's Portland, Soccer City, how integral this sport and this club are to this team or are to this city's culture. Yes,
0: Soccer City, USA, Soccer baby. Soccer City,
2: USA. And so when you have such a grassroots, passionate, involved fan base, yeah. he said it's, you know, this is why it's different. Like it's it, it contradicts all of the research. And right. so he said, you know, that's probably why a lot of this is happening, a lot of this uproar. And, and you know, I think was the fan base not as united as it was like Maybe I don't know, maybe Merritt wouldn't have stepped down. Maybe he wouldn't have felt like he had to. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's just, you know, a lot of respect on the fan base as well, because this also must have been reeling for them. It was hard for me too. And so yeah. um I talked about the nuance with that. And then I talked um with like the leader of one of the fan groups, Throw City Riveters, like one of those leaders, her right. name is Gabby. For sure. And I, and I was like, how do you? Like deal with this. And she was like, well, my season tickets are $15 per game in the standing area of Providence Park. That profit margin, what I give to the team, is not large enough for me to have a problem with it. Mm. So what I give to the team is not substantial enough in my opinion for it to matter whether or not I go or not. So I'm going to continue to go to support these players, to let them know I'm there th- with them. Yeah, Because solidarity. I know in my heart, yeah, solidarity, that's yeah, my thing, is for like, sure. again these women not gave up their passion but they turned their passion into a paycheck and that is such like i i don't know how else to describe it other than just like very like challenging mentally being yeah. like okay this is my passion but also like i'm making my I'm, I'm i'm supporting my family with this yes and so i just think that this is going to change a lot not only for the team not only for the NWSL but for like sports in general because i think the Actions that have been shown by the fan groups, the actions that have been shown by the players, and of course, obviously the actions that have been shown by the front office yeah. are just so stark. Yes. Um. And so I think there's a lot to be learned from this, but I think the biggest thing that I've learned from this, and that I hope others have learned from it, is that... People are people, and they're not expendable, and they're not for profit. Yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, we need to support these players because they've been dealing with this a lot longer than we have. Yeah.
0: They knew all sure. of this.
2: And having to go onto the field, having to play, having to sit in- for,
0: for all of y'all?
2: For all of our entertainment. Yeah. For <laughs>
0: yeah, our, our for, entertainment.
2: For me to just put my hands up and clap and, clap, and be like, you yeah, made a goal. Yeah, like, yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's- you know, that grander idea of sport has always been interesting to me in the entertainment side of it. But, yeah, it's it's been a crazy time. And I think that I don't think the calls for merit to sell the team are going to die down. Um, I did a story recently about a group of fans that are trying to get the team to be supporter-owned. Um, the yeah. NWSL or MLS rules constitution does say it, like, Is not allowed, but the person I talked to told me that, you know, charters and rules can be changed and amended, and I kind of told that person, I was like, you know, in a situation with this much at stake, I don't – like, I would be shocked – I don't want to say shocked, but I would be interested to see if – what they would say if they were like, no, we're not going to change these rules for you because this is such a, like – It's such a big moment for the sport.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm curious this. um, Well, for one, congratulations to the Thorns. Congratulations to the MVP, Sophia Smith. Sophia Smith. Congratulations. Huge congratulations in in that regard. But I want to segue a little bit. Um, We've been beating the WNBA to PDX drum around here. (laughs) We have definitely been doing that. Obviously, you know, had the, the, the conversation with Senator Wyden on this podcast and you know that led to me doing a write up in street roots and then he wrote the letter to the the commissioners Kathy Engelbert the WNBA commissioner Adam Silver the NBA commissioner both of them responded quite positively mm-hmm. obviously from where you sit you know obviously this is something that that is is kind of a newer conversation it's 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 the expansion part of the WNBA isn't a newer conversation but I guess the momentum for WNBA to PDX has kind of like elevated a little bit recently um just what are your general thoughts about WNBA to Portland now that you've been here for such a long time, since you are so closely connected to the Thorns and have gotten so closely connected to the Thorns and you can see the model that that professional women's women's sports program program is here in this particular market. What are just some of your general thoughts when you when you saw these letters from both of these commissioners and, and when you heard that, you know, Senator Wyden is is pushing to try and make it happen for a WNBA team to come right here to the Rose city.
2: Or I'm the all for City. it, man. I'm Saying, all for it. I, ditto,
0: ditto. Please, like, please, like, it would do.
2: I cannot express this enough. It would do so well, yeah, so well. I agree. Like, I, you said on the last pod, like low risk, high reward. For it sure. Just like, I, if, have you been to the sports bra
0: yet? I haven't dude. been to the sports bra Dope, yet. My dude. bad for hitting the thing. <laughs> and, and you know, I when, I when I went to when I went to the the thorns match. I, I was with Shereen. I met. Those, she's been on this podcast before too, but big time uh women's sports journalist uh based out of uh, Toronto, Canada. And so she came into town and she uh she spoke. And I actually should have said this in, in my announcements because I'm doing an in-your-face lecture on Monday at oh, Pacific nice. University. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing one Monday at Pacific University. Um, but she did an in-your-face lecture about a month or so ago at Pacific as well. And uh She did ask me to go with her and her partner over to the sports bra but i had a gig still that mm, night yeah and so i was like ah, i don't think i got enough time i said i gotta go pick up equipment go set up yeah blah 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 yeah so i need to get there though no it is but and like, whiten talked about it he, he talked did. about his visit there as well on the podcast That's
2: exactly why i brought it up for like, sure that was the first thing i thought of and it might be like my personal bias getting into it because i love that place be yeah. there literally all the
0: time I okay love that place. okay it is wonderful I, i'll make it there I'm a, i'll make my way
2: please do so it you got that and the fact like the fact that a business like the sports bra can not only exist but thrive yes and i mean thrive it is hard to get a seat in there
1: for sure it is
2: hard like thrive in a city like portland should be enough to tell you hey wnba probably do halfway decent here yeah and you brought up the comparison between the thorns and timbers and ptfc and um For the story I did originally about the WNBA, I did a couple. I talked with Linda Weston. She was a general manager of the Portland Power, which was an American basketball league team here for like two years in the early 2000s. So do you know anything about the ABL? Not much. Okay, so ABL existed as like a counterpart to the WNBA for a few years. Ultimately, the WNBA became bigger. ABL right. fell out. Okay. Um, so there was a WNBA team here at some point at the same yeah, time. The fire? The fire. Power, the or fire like yeah. That? Yeah, 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 so they yeah. existed around the same time, but both of them only lasted for two years. Got it. So I talked with Linda and I was like, hey, like, what went wrong for mm. the power and what went wrong for the fire? Yeah. And her main thing was sponsorships and capital. Um, and that's very real. It's very, very apparent that women's sports get less sponsorships yep. uh, than men's, and that's kind of a big issue that I also explored with the Thorns as well. With the sponsors pulling their money, the team really needs that money to survive because they're pulling out of the city, Makes all that sense. stuff. So that. she said that's kind of what happened. And so what really happened, I think I can't remember. If it was for the power. I think it was for the fire because they were WNBA. Yeah. The reason they fell out is because Allen didn't want to buy him he just didn't really see it as advantageous to buy the team to be part of um the blazers for sure now whatever choice he made it happened so i asked her i was like could like could that work again and be similar to like ptfc and she was like maybe but also i worry that like they would pay, like cuz clearly he showed no interest before like i worry if they bought it now and like took it up like Maybe that would continue and they wouldn't get as – we would be in the same situation as last time. Sponsorships would suffer, things like that. Right. And so I found that very interesting. But she also brought up Nike, of course. Like, (laughs) if you were going to tell me that if you brought a WNBA team here and Nike wouldn't go absolutely bonkers with sponsorships, something, this, that, the other, not only because it's cool and a good thing, but for them – that would be so attractive for their brand yeah. to support a women's basketball team WNBA in yeah, their home. In they their could ho- do. Right they in could in their backyard. Do, oh my god! They yeah, could relax with that. Absolutely. Honestly, that would be the it's like marketing gold.
0: Especially seeing now, like you've got you've got the NIL stuff mm-hmm. going on, and we're seeing the young women. You know, we see Haley Jones from Stanford, and uh, and we see uh oh man, her, Juju. Yeah, uh, Juju Watkins. Mm-hmm. She's actually coming out here. I'm actually trying to commentate, broadcast oh, for that tournament. So sick. She'll be out here. Um, it's at the same time as the Les Schwab Invitational. They have a women's tournament that's happening out here. So while Bronny and the Sierra Canyon boys will be at Les Schwab, Juju and them will be out here as well, playing in a tournament. I, I want to catch her yeah. for sure. Yeah, no, that'd be um, so sick. But just seeing like the the engagement with with women's sports and just the growth of it. You know, like it, like as you mentioned, it only makes sense that having a WNBA team like Nike can just. Just yeah. eat that up and, yeah. and thrive in so many different ways.
2: For sure. And I brought up kind of, you know, the whether or not it would go under the the blazers or not. And so there's been somebody who has been talked about for a long time that's interested in buying the team. Zoom Info founder Kirk Brown, whether or not he's actually going to, we won't know unless he actually does it. But his name has been thrown around for quite some time. Right. And Linda brought up a really good point that whoever decides to take up this venture is gonna have to be serious. You can't just half-ass this. Like you are gonna have to be dedicated yes. to not only keeping this team here, but boosting this team to the other level. Right. You can't just have like a mid-level professional women's basketball team here. Yeah. Like, you can't ju- you can't half-ass it. That's yeah. just not the way of this city.
0: Yeah. Not the way we
2: work here. I agree. And so I think and I love that about here. Yes,
0: yeah, passionate. passionate. It's gonna city. take
2: somebody who not only wants it, but can. And so I'll be very interested to see over, you know, however much next time, who comes up as players who want to take on that team if it is confirmed. Well, they talked like
0: about that. Phil Knight too,
2: right? Yeah, they talked about Phil too. I don't know. You don't how, sound
0: I, you don't you don't, I don't sound encouraged by that. I don't know. If he will. I don't know. Well, because yeah.
2: like the Blazers are already like no.
0: So And that's the thing too. That that is one of the challenges of bringing a WNBA to PDX. Like, like Jody Allen, like it, it took the city, again, to show their passion for Jody Allen just to send the broadcasters on the road with the Blazers this year. Oh,
2: my God. Yeah, I talked to so, Lamar about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. like,
0: like that alone was like a hassle. So bringing an entire WNBA team here, like... That doesn't quite sound like something that she would be interested in to me.
2: Yeah. Because
0: she ain't that interested in the team that she already owns, just based on how you got the Blazers. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> so true. <And> so <laughs> it's
2: know? just like, I don't know. That's I
0: discouraging, mean. I'll be honest. That's yeah. As somebody that, again, is beating that drum and obviously has had the conversations that I've been able to have regarding it, like, yeah, that's a little that's a little discouraging knowing that Jody Allen is in the driver's seat when it comes to ownership of the Blazers and yeah, the connection just don't quite seem there.
2: Mm-mm. And it's just for a WNBA team, like it it all is just going to come down to if the passion and grit is there, not only in the community, because we know it's there already, for sure. but in the front office and the ownership. Because if it is even off a little bit, it's going to show. Yeah. And something's going to go wrong. And not saying that it needs to be perfect, because we all can you know adjust. And it's going to take some adjustment if it does happen. But I think it's just going to require a marriage of a lot of passion. But
0: see, that's part of the reason why I want to see this push to be greater for WNBA Absolutely. to Portland. because. I want that to be exposed. Like, I want that to be, like, again, low risk, high reward scenario here. You've got, you have the models to show that women's sports is successful here. Obviously, we've been talking about the Thorns, but at the collegiate level, too. Like, both Oregon and Oregon State's women's programs are powerhouses. Oh, my God, insane. They've been, you know what I mean? They've had so much success. So it's like, for this market, not to jump on that. Like, you've got to ask a real question as to why.
2: Yeah, why are you not?
0: We've got to look internally and figure out why wouldn't we jump on this opportunity, especially after getting the the, the response from Kathy Engelbert Mm -hmm. saying that they are having expansion talks, which we already knew, but she said we are actively Actively. considering Portland as an expansion market. If we can't capitalize on that and another market does— we got some real looking in the mirror to do at ourselves as a city sure. as to A, why not? And again, I hate to compare it to like this MLB to PDX movement, but we saw how much momentum and how much backing that got. And to me, like the the chances to actually accomplish breaking ground, building a stadium and getting an MLB expansion team here, or even a team that leaves another market here, is is the chances are far less than being able to bring A WNBA here to this market where we already have the infrastructure from the building to the city to just everything in between. Like we 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 need to kind of push this line to really push ourselves as a city to either a make it happen, which would be the ultimate dream or b figure out what are we lacking to not be able to take advantage and capitalize on that.
2: For real, and I think it could be. It would be multi beneficial. Like you could get small businesses to help kick. Like if we did get a WNBA team here, like you could make some beautiful marriages, partnerships with some local businesses. Yes, could really make that work. You could use the marketing gods of the world, Nike, to blow this thing. Yes, crazy. <laughs> and I mean, like you have like the marketing of just like these players in general. Because I'm so glad you brought up Oregon. I'm on TikTok. I love TikTok.
0: Yeah, Sedona. Sedona Pr- Prince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Sedona yeah. Prince. Sedona Prince. Sedona. Right, 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 yeah, right, right, right.
2: Who made her own entire I, I was thinking
0: Sat- Satusa Bali, who played for Oregon. Really oh, good yeah. player as well. She's in the W. But yeah, Sedona Prince is the TikTok yeah. superstar. Yeah,
2: per- perfect example. Absolutely. Like, put them on the map, man. And for I sure. And I like, there's a lot of players who have, not saying that players need to be TikTokers, but that's a really yeah, good yeah, example yeah, yeah, of, like, marketing. Right. And how you can make these things get more traction than just Portland. Because here's the thing, like, Portland itself could sustain a WNBA team Pretty well, I think it could do pretty good. But like, you're gonna want people traveling to watch these play. If they're in town for a conference, oh, you know, Portland WNBA team's playing, and I'll I'll go see it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I want to go see them. I've heard they're really good. I've heard, oh, I want to see this girl. Like she said this really cool thing on an interview last night, or something like that. You for know what sure. I mean? Like yeah. it has to be expanded. And I think we have all of the puzzle pieces here. We just need somebody who's gonna want to put them together and put a little glue on it, so you can hang it on a wall
0: and admire it. Somebody call Russell Wilson in Sierra and tell him. <laughs> Take back their endorsement of MLB to PDX and figure out how to, how to yeah. channel it to WNBA to PDX. Yeah. Somebody give them a call, please. Yeah, for real. <laughs>
2: so, somebody get their contact up because it, it. Yeah, I would love to see it though. That oh, it would, would it
0: would thrive.
2: Yeah, like like so.
0: I have no doubt in my mind that that it would absolutely thrive here. And again, you're just seeing like I saw I saw something. I talked about it last week, where like the viewership in last year was higher in the WNBA than the MLS Mm -hmm. but the MLS just signed a broadcast deal that was like 10 times more than the current WNBA broadcast deal so I could only imagine that the next broadcast deal is going to be very very lucrative for the W and that also would align with them really taking the step and going the expansion route so we got to be prepared for that. No, we got to be right. prepared for that. And
2: and I'm glad what you said about looking inwards because obviously we all know the like when you talk about the reason why women's sports maybe aren't making as much money in that way as men's it's a very complex answer and as you know a woman like there's obviously misogyny in there like you think that women can't ball like you like you are shit out of luck my dude for sure like i played when i played softball like i used to have boys who played baseball be like oh like i could hit off. i wasn't a pitcher but like i could hit off you and i'm like dude you don't understand that like the, where my pitching mound and your plate meet, like difference between there, yeah. my seventy mile per hour fastball is ninety-five miles an hour for you. Yeah. You think you could hit that if that thing's curving?
0: Yeah. Great. Good luck. I, right. I was a catcher
2: and I could barely catch them when I knew they were coming.
0: Yeah. So Yeah, you were an, calling it, you were giving a signal down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So right.
2: obviously some very deep internalized misogyny when it comes to talking about why it would not thrive, why it doesn't do well, or something like that. But I think the interesting thing about play. Portland is for the most part, not going to say everybody, but I think we are pretty good as like a sports community, as just like culturally at being able to look inwards on those things and think, yeah. maybe why why wouldn't I like that or why wouldn't I go to that game sure. and maybe change those behaviors and give it a try. Agree. And I've really appreciated that about living here because it's helped me grow in myself. And in my early 20s, that's something that's really important to me is like growing beyond where I came from. Absolutely. And so I think that that's really cool, but it still obviously is going to have its struggles, and I think It's important to note that because of the wider, broader picture of misogyny in sports in America. Yeah. But I think it would do worlds better than other markets if you gave those other markets everything that we have, which I don't have those anyways. If you gave them that, we still would do better.
0: We still do better. I agree. I agree. Well, Demi! (laughs) Thank you.
2: No, Devon, this is (laughs) I hit you last night. Yeah, you hit me last night. I was like telling my boss, I was like, yeah, like 12 hours ago, (laughs) he like messaged me. Yeah. No, but this was truly an honor. I love talking about both of these things. Reporting on them has been, you know, honored. It's been really, really great to be part of a history, and being on here has been awesome talking with you has been great
0: tell the people where to follow you check your work yeah. so on and so forth
2: i am on twitter uh at d-e-m-i-n as in nicole lawrence l-a-w-r-e-n-c-e follow me there it's about all i got uh instagram i won't give away but if you find it good on you because i'm a little <laughs> I hard found to find, it. <laughs> yes, I, I, find found it. It. I have a little hard to find but no i mean give me a follow on there i don't know it's not if you want to see my personal life great for you yeah but no my professional stuff you'll find me there demi and lawrence on twitter
0: absolutely Demi appreciate you for coming through on such short notice again not just coming through I gave you the virtual option hey we can make a phone call you said no I'll come into the studio I respect that yeah I I commend that and I appreciate that well on that note we're gonna leave y'all the only way that we know how and that is to stay woke and go in